Uh, for you guys that are new, I am Bill Stevens. I'm one of the pastors here, and, and, uh, and I did get a chance to go with those guys down there to Cuba. It was, um, I can honestly say it was a top 10 moment for me in ministry, 25 years of ministry, and that was, it was one of those, it was at 10 days that was just so powerful um, and, and so fun. And it reminded me of, the, of why I love my job and why I love this church. It truly was a cross-section of our church. It was people that have been Christians their whole life and people that are just exploring it right now and trying to figure it out. We had, we had people that were, we had the young ones, that, they're, they're, you know, we had, we had middle schoolers, we had high schoolers, we had college students, uh, we, we, had, we had relatively newlyweds in their 70s, we had a single mom and her, and, and her son. I mean, we had, we had the whole range of people that make up a lot of who we are here at Ascent. And so it was so fun to see that, so fun to see those relationships grow. So fun to see the relationships with our, with our friends in Cuba. The relationship we have with Willie Santiago, that was that guy at the end that was talking to us, is so rich. He so loves a scented church. He calls it a scented church. And I don't even want to correct him on it. That's just what he, he just says. He says, I love a scented church, you know. And, 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 and we, we, we just have so much fun with him. He even told us, he says, look, he says, I know some people will want to give a lot of money to Cuba Connections, what's going on. He says, even more than the money, he says, I would love just more teams from Ascent to come because he just so loves the relationship that's happening between the ministries that are happening in Cuba and what we're doing here at Ascent. He's been here a couple of times, so he knows what it looks like here. He was here the very first Sunday that we moved into this place uh, after we were at the Omnia Hotel five years ago. He was here that first Sunday, and he remembers that and just can't believe what's happened here and loves it that he's a part of that. So, so we show that to you just like Brian said, because this is all of us that got to be a part of that. All of us, all of you got to be a part of that in one way or another through prayer and through the, the generosity that you've been given and all of that. But then, but then we, we also want to show it to you because we do want you to think about, could you do something like that? Could you do that? Every one of those people that went had to decide, can we do this? And it's, it's great. You know, you get some that are going, my whole family can't go. So you get Jackie and Bella that sit there and say, well, how about if just the two of us go? Or you get, you get somebody that's, that's saying, um, you know, I, I'm going to have to take that time off of work and that will be my vacation time, but I'm going to try to go. You see those, those high school students that go and you go, why in the world would a high school student go on a mission trip with a bunch of adults? How boring would that be? But man, we loved it. Kaylina and, and, and Jack and Julia and those, our high school, Tobin, our middle school. Those guys, were, those guys added such a richness to what, what happened when we were there. And it can be for you. And so I want you to just think about that because we will continue to go to Cuba. That's our, our international goal mission-wise as a church is that we continue to develop one really good long-term relationship that it's more than just going and leaving and that's it, but that we go and we invest in that relationship and that's what's happening in Cuba. So think about it. It's going to be coming up again. It might be coming up at the end of this year at Christmas time. It might be spring break of next year. It might be a couple of times in 2019, but it very well could be for any of you to go on that trip, okay? Um, we're gonna, let's, let's pray about that, that, that relationship, that connection that we have there, that opportunity we have, and let's also pray about what the Lord has in store for us right in here today. So God, we thank you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your presence. 
We thank you that you are here today. We thank you for the way that you have woven your Holy Spirit through that relationship that we have in that country with those people. And we pray for them today. We, we pray for Ramon and Armando and, and Yodalas and all the people that we got to meet in Cuba and the friendships we get there. We pray for the connection we can have here and, the, and, and that you would weave your way through these seats and that people would be connected with each other and to you. God, we pray that that would happen in, in ways that only you can see but that we can experience and have great joy from. So be with us today as we walk through your scripture and as we learn a little bit more about your presence in our life today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, so here's, I'm just going to give you a little glimpse of what, what happened on, on, in the mornings in Cuba. When we were down there, we would get the team together at the, early before we'd have breakfast, before we'd get out to do the work that we were going to do. We'd get them together and we'd say, now we, what we want you to do is go spend some time with God. Now, we knew that some people, they knew what that was like. We, we, they'd take their Bible and we, they'd go, yeah, this is what I do all the time. But there were a lot of people that hadn't. And, and, and this was, might have been one of their first times that they kind of, they, they did that, where they're going, I'm going to spend some time with God this morning. I don't know what that looks like or feels like, but I'm going to do that. And, and we gave them some scripture to read, and we gave them a couple of questions to answer and, and to help them to just see that God is real and present right there at the beginning of their day. So we did that with them. Now, I got to admit that for me, a lot of the times when I do something like that and the mission trips that I've led before, mostly with college students, I'll send them out to do that and I'll go get some work done. I'll send them out to go spend some time with God. I got more important things to do. I got to work on the logistics for the day and make sure that everything's all taken care of. But this time going down there, I sat there with, with Kayla and with Beth and Jackie. Those are the four of us that were leading. I said, look, I want this to be for all of us too. I want for us to, to, to get that time with the Lord when we first get, get up and, and we spend that, let's spend that time first with him. And so we each did. And what I would do is I would take my Bible and my journal and I went up to the second story of this little house thing that we were living in that looked out over the ocean. This is what I got to see every, every day. This is Matanzas, the city of Matanzas. And in the distance, you can't see it from this picture, but in the distance is the ocean. You know, Cuba's an island, and you'll see the ocean at a lot of spots. You'll see the ocean. And the ocean is out there. And so every day I got to look out, and you got to see the ocean and the beauty that God has, that God has done in the ocean. But then in between there was the reality of life. And, then, and at first you saw it as a mess, but over time you start going, you start getting to know the Cuban people and the Cuban culture, and you start going, you know what, there's, there's beauty in that too, and what, and what the Lord is doing in between the beauty and, and where I'm standing. And I started thinking more about that here at home and how we have the beauty of this place in Colorado. And in the midst of it is the, is the mess of our lives and the, the, the reality of our lives, but the more we get to know the people around it, and the more we get to know the Lord at work in it, we start to see the beauty in that too. And that was just, it was, God was reminding me of that every single morning when I go sit down there. Well, what I wanted to do when I was sitting there is I wanted to open up my Bible and just spend some time in, in the interaction that Jesus had with his people. I just thought I'm going to focus in on, on, on Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, those four books that, were, that those four guys set out to write about the life of Jesus because I'm always intrigued by by. The fact that these people actually listened to what Jesus said, watched what he said, and, and then actually followed him. And, and, and 
put stuff down and followed him. And I thought, what, did he, what does he say? What was so compelling that these people would do that? That they would drop their stuff and go follow and interested in what he's going to say next. If someone did that here, wouldn't we just think they're crazy? But there, they, they were following him. And so I wanted to go, what is Jesus saying and doing that was so compelling that these people would do this? So I really wanted to slow down as I was reading this through the week and just go, God, show me as, as I'm reading through it. And so as I was reading through it, I get to Matthew chapter 9, okay? This is one of the, one of the interactions Jesus has. And he says, it says this, Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Now, I've read this passage a number of times before. This is a passage about the harvest, that, 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 that Jesus is, the kingdom of God is at hand and he needs workers to make sure people know this is what's going on. And so you'd hear sermons on this, on, come on, this is that time that we got to step up and we're the laborers that God is calling out to say, come on, let people know about the love of Jesus. That's what we need right now. And so, so I, it stopped me as I'm reading that. It stopped me because it made me think about what we're doing next here at Ascent. It made me think about what Jim and I have been working on for the, this la the last three months for the series that's coming up. Because the series, like Brian gave you a, a little glimpse of it, the series is surprise them. That we can't wait to, to, to talk to us about what's it look like to surprise people with the generosity of the gospel, the good news of Jesus. What's it look like to surprise people with the, the way that we can live our life out to our community and to our neighbors? We look back, and Jim and I have been looking back and just realizing how many times people would expect one thing out of the religious, and then Jesus would give them something so different. Jesus would give them something that surprised people. And then as he shared his compassion, and then he talked about generosity, and he talked about how, this, how we live this out, it surprised people. And so we're looking at it saying, how do we do that? What do people expect from church in our community and in our neighborhoods? And how do we surprise people with the beautiful good news of Jesus in our generosity and the way we're living this out to our neighbor and to our community? So we're going to be talking about that, uh, and we're going to take a big series on that. We're going to give a lot of tangible ways to do it. Man, that's our go. And the harvest is, is, is plentiful, but the workers are few. That's Jesus' go. But before he gives the go... It's on your mark, get set. It'll take a couple of weeks to say, what's it look like as we're getting ready to go? Well, as I thought about that and I read that, I thought, well, what, what's he saying just before he says go? What's his on your mark, get set in this passage? So I went back and I read it again. I'll read it again. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Now, after I read it that second time, here's what I did. I read it a third time because I get too distracted. And you start thinking, I already read this. And so then you're thinking, I already read this as I'm reading it. So I read it a third time. That's what we're going to do this morning, okay? <laughs> then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching them in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. 
and curing every disease and every sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Started thinking about the crowds. Who was in that crowd? When you start really putting yourself right there in that moment where Jesus is doing this, you start thinking, who was in the crowd? You know there were some, some, some religious people in the crowd that were saying, no, don't listen to him. Don't listen to him. He's crazy. You know got, you got some atheists in the crowd that were saying, I don't believe this at all, but boy, this is really odd. You got some, some people that were just curious because they saw miracles happening, and so they wanted to know a little bit more. You got people that were taking one step in and one step out. They were going, okay, I, I get this and, I'm, and I want to start following. No, I don't want to put my weight down on that. And then you got the people in the crowd that were the ones that were saying, whatever he says, man, I'm rolling that direction. Whatever he says, I'm right there with him. Whatever he says, I'm, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep listening. I'm going to keep following. I'm gonna, I want to hear what's next. In that crowd was someone that doesn't believe at all, right next to Matthew, who's writing it and is a disciple of, of Jesus. In that crowd was someone that, that just goes, I don't know if I get this, with, with Mary Magdalene, who loves Jesus and is right there listening to him. When we think of the crowd, you've got to think of yourself. Every one of us are part of that crowd. That's uh, every one of us. You've got some people in here that say, yes, and I believe, and I'm rolling with, with whatever God wants from me. And there's some people that are saying, no, I don't get this at all. But you're here. You're part of the crowd. And Jesus looks out at the whole crowd. Not just someone that, oh, you sinner. Not that person. Not that one that's going, what are you doing here? You don't like me. I don't like you. And he's not doing that. He looks at the crowd. Everyone. John and Peter and Mary and Martha. And all. He looks at the crowd and he has compassion on them. And keep that in mind. He has compassion on us. He just says, man, I got... He just looked out with compassion, and then you could tell his heart's breaking as he, as he looks at him. He says, these guys, they are harassed and helpless. They are harassed and helpless. I stopped right there, harassed and helpless, and I thought, well, you know, I had another version of, 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 my, of the Bible, of that passage of Scripture, so I looked that one up, and then later I looked up even more, and the other words for harassed and helpless are worried, dispirited, distressed, confused, aimless, bewildered, miserable, scattered, weary, and cast away. That's, that's, those are other words as, as, as translators of that Greek are trying to figure out what word is, is, is it really trying to say in English. And those are the different words that come up, worried and dispirited and distressed and confused and aimless. And as I'm reading those words, I'm going, uh-oh, that sounds like my life. All of a sudden, my ears kind of went, oh, geez, now i got to pay attention to this. You know how like you're in church sometimes and you're just kind of scrolling through your phone like some of you might be doing right now. Let's see if I can see one of your lights. You guys try to hide them, but I can see them. They, 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 you know, you're scrolling through, and all of a sudden they say something. You go, oh, geez, what? You know, that's the way I was. It was like, it was like uh, those words were coming out, worried, dispirited, confused, aimless. And all I could think of when I'm looking at those, all I could think of was my life when I get back from Cuba. I was thinking about, all. Oh, that's the way I tend to feel anyway, but I know I'm going to feel even worse when I get back from Cuba this time. And the reason why is because the Stevens family is about to explode in this month. Here's what's happening. 
We've got four kids, uh, Ella and Jack and Maggie and Abby. And Ella and Jack and Maggie have gone off to college, and Ella just graduated from college. And Abby's a sophomore in high school. And so that's our kids. And so it's me, Jackie, and Abby. That's who's left. Well, Jack, and, Jack gets engaged to, uh, to this awesome girl, Emily, who's just it's a daughter to us. We just love her. And he gets engaged to Emily, and he comes back to me, and he says, Dad, um, for my senior year in college, he says, do you mind if I come and live at home? I could save like 10 grand if I do. And I said, oh, I can't argue with that. Yeah, you can come on home. When he asked me that, and when Jackie's sitting there, and she's looking at Emily, and she says, Emily, if you ever have any problems with your living situation, you are always welcome to come here. About a month later, she comes up to us. She goes, I know you were just trying to be nice, but my living situation fell through and I need a place to stay. Can I stay at your house? <laughs> you know? And we said, of course, there's an extra bedroom. You can stay there. So now all of a sudden, Jack and Emily are both going to be in our house. And then my oldest daughter, Ella, graduates from Wentworth, has a very uh, strong boyfriend, it's even other injustice, and she, she, she says, well, I'm just going to wait and see where he's going to go off for, for grad school. He gets in at School of Mines. He's, he's applying all over the country. He gets in at School of Mines. Ella says, I'm coming home. <laughs> Ella's coming home. And of course, Ella looks at what's going on at home and says, well, if Emily's going to be there, how about if Justice lives there too? Seven people are going to be in my little house in Rock Creek. Now don't clap. <laughs> Let me add to it. Let me add to it. Our two dogs, our cat, um, a hamster's coming, and a lizard is there. So, so we're, the, we're Noah's Ark, and, and we're right there. And I am thinking of this, and Jackie has been, Bill, breathe. You can do this. This will be a great thing. When we get really old, we're going to ask them the same thing back, you know. So, 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 she, so, so she's trying to calm me down. I'm hyperventilating, worried, dispirited, confused, aimless, bewildered, scattered, weird, and cast away. That's all of us. You don't have seven maybe jumping into your house right now, but we all got something. We all got our things. We got our stuff that we're looking at our life and we're going, yeah, I can see that that's the way my life is described. Some of it's our health stuff that makes us that way. Some of it's our friends that make us that way. Our job that makes us that way. Kids that are moving out that makes us that way. Kids that are there that you're going, oh my gosh, you're only a first grader. I got lots more years to do this. That makes us that way. That's part, every one of us have that. And for most of us, we can describe many of our days worried, dispirited, confused, aimless, bewildered, scattered, weary, cast away. We can describe our lives that way. And Jesus looks at it and holy smokes, does he give me a two by four across the forehead on this one? Because he just says, they're harassed and helpless like a sheep, like sheep without a shepherd. And he says that, and I'm going, now, wait a minute. I'm not a sheep without a shepherd. I know that Jesus is my shepherd in my life. I know what John chapter 10 says. I've read it. I know that it says, it says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd gives life for the sheep. I know that it says, I am the shepherd who cares for the sheep. I know my sheep just as the Father knows me, and my sheep know me just as I know the Father. I give my life for these sheep. I know that Jesus has said, I am the shepherd of your life. And so when he says, these guys are like sheep without a shepherd, I'm looking at it going, well, he must be talking about the other people in the crowd. But then I look at those words and I'm going, but that's me. And you start to think, 
How many times are we choosing, because it's our choice, how many times are we choosing to walk aimlessly in the pasture instead of recognize the shepherd? How many days do we do that? How many days do we, do we know that it's true that the shepherd is there? We know that he's there. But how many days do we choose instead to just go, nah, I'd rather just walk aimlessly? We do it all the time. And then those words describe our days. Because we just keep making that choice. It says later in John 10, it says, it says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I think to myself, what voice do I hear in my day? What voices do I hear? When I drive, when the, first verse, the first voices I tend to get in my life is Mark Schlereth on, on the sports radio talking about the Broncos. And I'm not even a Broncos fan. And so that doesn't set me up in a really good place for the rest of the day. Then when you get to work and you have to put out a fire and you, you got to do a bunch of other things and, and, and you get to the noon or one or two and you're just exhausted and tired and then someone does something and you're frustrated with them and, and you, then something else happens and you go, now this just brings up why I don't like this job. And then you, then you go home that night and you just go, you know what my day was like today? Bewildered, frustrated, aimless. And the whole time Jesus is standing there and he's going, if they only knew, if they only knew to choose the shepherd today, if they only knew that that interaction they had with that person that annoys them, that you, you might actually have compassion for them as you recognize the shepherd right there. When you, when, if they only knew that the shepherd was, was right there to help them to see beyond themselves to the need that was right there that would have given you great joy to respond to. If they only know, known the shepherd was right there, then in the midst of that anger, it can be intercepted and there could be peace. If they only knew and if they only grabbed hold of it and if they only took the time to hear the voice you guys are going, what voice? Some of you are saying, what voice? Don't, don't get into what that voice sounds like. I'm saying, man, do you, when you know that Jesus is there and you recognize his presence and you might see it and hear it through, through reading something in the Bible or you might see it and hear it through a prayer that you might give or you might see it or hear it through a conversation you might have with somebody else. Or the Holy Spirit might just be laying on you to go, holy smokes, I can, I can, I, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing and recognizing the need that's right there. When you start responding to that, you know that that, 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 that shepherd is whispering in your ear through your day. You know that. And for some people, you'll choose to do it. For most of us, we won't. And this becomes our definition. And Jesus looks out at us and, he, and, he's, and he's, he's compassionate for it. He's going, man, if they only got it, then I'm their shepherd. Because they're walking around harassed and helpless. And the reason why I looked at other words is because I didn't like that word harassed. I thought, I don't know if I walk around harassed. But I was thinking about that later. And I was thinking about a friend of mine that talked to me. He, he was saying, Billy, he said, he said you, know how, you know what my relationship is like to, with money? He said, money to me is a bully. He said, it's a bully that continues to tell me I'm terrible at this. It's a bully that continues to tell me I'll never be good at it. I'll never overcome this. 
It's a bully that keeps pressing me down and saying, I've got control. It's that kind of bully. And, 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 he said, and, and I thought about that later, and I thought, that's harassed. It's a bully. And we have bullies in our life. We've got those things in our life that just say, I've got control. Sometimes it's the physical part of your life. It's the physical ailments that you've got. That is the bully that continues to press you down. Some of it is your anger that you can't get away from. And it's the bully that presses you down. Some of it's the job that you have that you can't find any joy in. It's the bully that presses you down. For most of us, it's some drama in our life that is the bully that presses us down. And here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I am the shepherd. And those bullies don't faze me. And I might actually help you to see that the power those bullies have is only power because we're giving it that power. Because we're giving it that power. We're giving it power that God never intended it to have, but that we're choosing to give it that power. The biblical word for that is idol. It's an idol. When you look at what an idol is, what idols were, when you look back at Old Testament and you look at idol stuff, idols were anything that you gave more power than God ever intended it to have. That's an idol. That's why a relationship can be an idol because you've given it more power than God ever intended it to have. And it can be a bully. That's why money can be an idol because you've given it more power than God ever intended it to have. And it can be a bully. You know what God says about these idols? He's pretty powerful on this. He says this in Psalm 115. He says, their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths but don't speak, eyes that don't see, ears that don't hear, nose that don't smell, hands, that don't, hands but don't feel, feet but don't walk, and they don't make a sound in their throat. Those who make, make them become like them, so do all who trust in them. See, our drama is our bully, and it becomes the thing that defines our day. You know that. You've felt that. It becomes the thing that defines our day. And God says later in, in Isaiah 44, this is, this is God saying, he says, is there a God besides me? There is no rock. I know not any. There's nothing. None of those bullies. They're anywhere close to what I can do every single day. And Jesus looks with compassion on us because he sees that they harass us. And he's going, do you realize that I am the good shepherd? Do you realize that I can walk alongside you? Do you realize we do not have to give them that power that, that we give our bullies? When I was, a couple of weeks ago, when I was getting ready to go on this mission trip to, to Cuba, I was sitting there with my daughter Maggie and I just told her, I said, Maggie, I... I am not ready to go on a mission trip. I said, I said, I went on a mission. Last one I went on, I've been on a bunch of them with college students, but the last one was like eight years ago. And I said, I am not ready to go on this mission trip. I said, I said, physically, I'm, I'm just, I mean, shoot, I was, I was mowing my lawn a couple of weeks ago and I ran into a branch and it gave me a concussion, or at least it felt like it did. If I can't mow my lawn for 20 minutes, how am I going to mix concrete and do all the stuff that they're going to ask us to do in Cuba? My body falls apart when I work out in the backyard. And so what's this physically, how am I going to do it? 
I said, I, said I, I get more annoyed at people these days, and, 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 I, and I know that I'll just get annoyed at people, and they'll get annoyed at me for the dumb little things. I'm becoming a little more introverted, and I like some time to myself and to pull away. And, I think, and, I'm, and I'm going, am I going to want to engage with people, and, and how am I ever going to get away from these 30 people that i got to go on this mission trip with? You know, that's the mentality I had as I was getting ready to go to Cuba. But I went down there. And I prayed one prayer. I said, Lord, help me be aware of your presence all day today. It was just for one day, that first day. Lord, help me be aware of your presence all day today. What I didn't realize I was praying until I started studying this was I was saying, I recognize my shepherd. And I want to walk with my shepherd today. And you guys, I'm not, I don't want to give you any magic pill or this is so, look at all of your bullies will go away. I'm not going to say that. But I can say that the prayer was answered. And as I, and as I was down there, I found that, you know, I was, I was, I was taking on the opportunity to work 97 degrees and, and 90% humidity. And it was like, bring it on. I'm sweating. I love it, you know. And, and, I, and interactions with people. I found that even some of the irritating stuff, I, be, I, was, I found my heart being so, so much more compassionate towards it. That's not me. That's weird. And I was being compassionate towards it. I, was, I, I found that I actually was looking for opportunities to hang out with people. And I was looking for those one-on-one conversations. And I I was getting great joy out of those conversations that I was having with people, both the people on our team and Willie and the broken Spanish. I mean, yo hablo espanol un poquito. And, and I was one of the, the stronger Spanish speakers on the team. And I, I mean, I, I was mostly our interpreter, and, and, uh, uh, but I don't speak any Spanish, you know. But, I'm, but I'm, I'm finding I was finding joy even in butchering Spanish with these guys. It was, it was God met me in that prayer, and walked with me through that week. And I know that you look at it and you go, that's mission trip stuff. God, that's, God is way more present in Cuba than he is here. Which, if you think about it, is a really dumb thing to say. <laughs> and I'm not calling you dumb because I do the same thing. God's more present in Cuba than he is here. God omnipresent that would be just as present in one place as another. He's no more present. The, our only problem is that he's just as present as he is there. Our only problem is we get just so distracted so easily. We all got ADD and we can't, we just, we just, we just lose that, that, that thought. We're like the, you know, the dog in Up, you know. I don't know if you guys have ever seen Up, but there's the dog that can talk. And he's saying, I love you, Master Squirrel. You know, and he just turns and looks at the squirrel. And it's like, it's like that's what we are where we're going, Jesus, you are my shepherd squirrel. You know, and you just, you just you lose it. And you just go on to something else. And Jesus the whole time is going, let me walk with you. Let me show you what this looks like, not just this morning, but throughout our days. How do we choose, choose the shepherd? How do we choose the shepherd over walking aimlessly? Do not use an excuse that says something else made me do it different. We have a choice with every one of our bullies. Are we choosing the shepherd or are we not? 
And some of you might say, I have another voice that I listen to in my life. I've got my girlfriend or I've got whatever. I got a, something else, some other voice that I listen to. And I don't know if I believe in, in, in that voice of Jesus. Let me just ask you a question. Will that voice speak love into your life and comfort and peace and patience and will kick your butt and will push you to the places you need to be pushed and will tell you all the way along the way that I love you and forgive you and I have mercy over you and I can give you power to do the things that you're gonna, you're gonna be able to do and in this, in the whole time while I'm there, I'm guarding you and I'm watching right behind you and I'm walking alongside you. Is that voice able to do that in your life? I know that the shepherd can, but we've got to choose him. There's a, there's a, a guy named Max Lucado that, that wrote, I, I love this little saying, he says, the God-centered life works and it rescues us from a life that doesn't. This is my prayer for me today. And it's my prayer for you guys today too. And I, I hope it would be your prayer too. Today, I want to be aware of your presence. Today, I want to live forgiven in the state of grace. Today, I want to follow you wherever you lead me. Today, I want to be willing to do what you want me to do. Today, I want to surrender my rights, the things that I think I deserve. Today, I want to filter events and people through your eyes and see opportunities. Today, I want to choose joy. Today, I want to choose the shepherd. And some days, we'll see all of that. And some days, we'll see some of that. But he will continue to say, will you allow me to walk with you today? And then tomorrow, ask it again. I want to finish with this passage. I'm going to finish with a passage in, in Psalms. It's Psalms 23, and it's one that many of you are very familiar with. It's one that's read a lot of times at memorial services. And the reason why it's read at memorial services is talking about the Lord is my shepherd. And it, and it talks about, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. Because your rod and your staff are going to comfort me because you are my shepherd. And so we read that in a memorial service because we want people to know that there's hope, that death doesn't get the last word, that death isn't the last thing, that there is hope for something more because Jesus conquered that death. But let's look at it this way. When we think of death, death truly is a separation from God. That's death. And Jesus, it's not just I, I, I stopped breathing and now I'm in the grave. Death is a separation from God. And when Jesus died on that cross, he said, I've conquered that death. And now when you put your weight down on me and you believe in me, you have life and life for eternity. This passage isn't a passage around death. This is a passage about life and a really good shepherd that is standing there and is saying, if you seek me, you will find me today. So I'm going to read this, this passage as our prayer over us as we finish this morning. It's Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters and he restores my soul. Lord, slow us down and help us to see that you have the power to restore my soul. He leads me in right paths for his namesake. 
And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. Father, you know that when I came back from Cuba, you know the wall of stuff that I face. You know I'm facing it with a bunch of people coming into my home. And you know I'm facing it with loans. And you know I'm facing my car that still has hail damage. And you know I'm facing my body that who knows what's, what's Girardi or whatever else is growing inside from that mission trip. Lord, you know the bullies that are in my life, and you know the bullies that are in every one of our lives, you know the things that we're each carrying, you know that they're the same, the issues that we each have. Lord, I pray that you'd help each one of us to recognize that you are not somewhere to be found, but you are right there, that you are the shepherd. Lord, help us to not ask the question, what would your son do? But say, what is your son doing? And help me to do that today too. God, we know we have a choice. Every one of us have a choice. We can choose to walk aimlessly in the pasture and try to work this out on our own. Or we can choose the shepherd. Lord, today, I pray that each one of us would choose the shepherd. It is in your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing one more song together.